Hi there, everyone. I'm Jared. And I'm Zanita. We are your hosts of Record Live, a podcast where we talk about church, faith, and living well. We believe as followers of Jesus, faith is more than just a set of beliefs. It's a way of life, something we put into practice. Let's go live. We're back with another episode of Record Live. We are back. And we've got a really special guest, Dr. Brendan Pratt from the Australian Union Conference. Welcome, Brendan. Great to have you today. Thanks, Jared. Thanks, Anita. Nice to be here today. Yeah. Now, Brendan, you do work with the Australian Union Conference. So that's the Seventh-day Adventist Church in Australia. And your role, can you tell us just a little bit about your role and what that work looks like that you're doing down there at the moment? Yeah, the official title is Ministerial Association Secretary. What that actually means is Pastor to Pastors for Australia. So we have just over 450 pastors across Australia and the Ministerial Association gets to work with them. So each of our conferences has a Ministerial Association Secretary. I coordinate with those. Um, I have an associate, Lindell Peterson, who also works with me on that, and Murray, who works with it with school chaplains on pastor to chaplain. So together we get to and work on what we do to resource and look after pastors. Awesome. Yeah. And um, with that, I imagine that you didn't just find yourself in that position, but there was a bit of a journey to get to there. Were you pre-being the pastor or what was, what's your kind of mini story been with that? Um, yeah, my story, pastor in New Zealand for, for 10 years. And then spent eight years in Sydney where my job was um, Healthy Churches Coordinator and Discipleship. And and then I have been doing this job for another what, nine, almost ten years in, in this role here. Um, yeah, well. In the pastors. And I just better clarify, as we talk about these issues, you introduced me as Dr. Brendan Pratt, which is correct, Jared, but it's a it's a doctor, well, a doctor of consumerism is all things. And so I just wouldn't want to misconnect that. While we're talking about mental health, I'm not a medical doctor or a psychiatrist. It's a doctor of consumerism. So I thought I'd better clarify that one. You have to clarify. Yeah, that, that's fascinating, doctor of consumerism. It, it ties into what we're doing. So we're talking about the mental health of pastors. And we know as a society that mental health outcomes, um, whether it's just that they're becoming more obvious, more understood, more prominently talked about, or whether we're actually facing a real increase in those things and they've always been with us but not as badly it does seem that consumerism and that is tied in with that topic so i think that's why we're excited to have you on today because i think there's some definite crossovers there but maybe just start there with what you're seeing with pastors pastors are just like the rest of us aren't they they're, they're just people and so there's going to be amongst all of us issues with mental health is it something that you've seen rise recently is it something that or that the church is more aware of and is taking steps to address now just tell us a little bit about the state of play at the moment sure and and as you've mentioned pastors are simply humans as part of a church community and i think as a church community are we talking about it more yes that's a good thing is it more prevalent I, I would feel that it is but i don't have numbers that back that up but are we talking about it more yes reality is one in 20 pastors who started pastoral ministry, and this is in, in the Christian church generally, so not just the Adventist church, only one in 20 remain in pastoral ministry. And no other profession has a 95% dropout rate. And while I would like to think it's different in Australia, we're, we're pretty much the same. Why do pastors 
drop out. There's all kinds of reasons, but one is certainly, one is certainly expectations that we have, the the mental health impacts. The role of pastor, I think, Jared and Zanita, has become increasingly complex in the time that I've been doing this job. And whether that's, you know, some of the, the factors of our, our society, whether that's you no know, social media, whether that's COVID the last few years, there's a whole lot of factors that have come together that have made the pastoral job more complex. Amongst that, um, it includes pastors who are working through the, the same issues that we all struggle with as far as what's it look like to have the to look after mental health and and have the the energy that we would like to to put towards our job. Hmm. Yeah, I think we're all aware of the fact that pastors are just normal humans like you and I, but I guess as a leader, as someone who often counsels people, there's this expectation that you've got to have everything together and that you've got to have everything together because everyone is coming to you about things that they don't have together. Mm-hmm. Um, and it can be really difficult when, I mean, I'm not a pastor, but like I have been in leadership roles. It can be difficult when you've got your own stuff going on to be able then to support everyone else. How do you kind of manage that as a pastor? And and keeping in mind, and I'm not trying to say pastors have jobs that are more complex than anyone else, but my job is pastor to pastors and, and I love pastors. And let me say we have amazing pastors across Australia and I'm very proud of how our pastors work through the issues of the last few years with COVID. But the pastoral role, it includes increasing compliance and, and for good reasons that is, by the way. So I'm not saying that's not there's, – there's reasons why you know, there's more regulations around what we do. But a pastor, we expect them to be a generalist. We expect them to be able to look after and give good pastoral counselling and care. We expect them to preach a sermon. And these days we've got church members who are comparing their local church pastor to the very best preachers on the planet because they access them online. And all of a sudden, mm. why isn't our pastor that? We're expecting that. We're expecting them to be able to you know, look after people who are struggling. We expect them to be able to contribute in the wider community. We're expecting them to chair board meetings wisely. We're expecting them to work through so many different facets that you think what's on the plate of a pastor, it's a, it's a complex role. And, and so while I'm not trying to say that you know, that's a, a bad thing, it's a thing we need to realise that you know what you might have a pastor who's excellent in one of those areas and is who's very good at the, you know, theological astuteness or whatever, but they're expected to be very good in lots of things. And I often think, you know, we want you know the, the old analogy, the monkey that climbs the tree and the fish that swims. We want our pastor to climb the tree and swim. And sometimes we get upset when our pastor doesn't achieve all of what we expect. And that puts pressure on our pastors. They might be really good in these areas, but we want really good in all areas. And, yeah, as a church community, if there's one thing I can say to our church members is that we have wonderful people who are pastors, we have wonderful people who are church members, and I think together we can we can just look after each other. Mm. I've heard of the concept of compassion fatigue. Can you talk a little bit about that in, in the space of pastoral ministry? What, what does it mean and, and what that might look like in terms of how it plays out in a pastor's life? Yeah, and and reality is uh, you become a pastor because you sense that you want to contribute to this bigger mission of of, of Christ. You you want to do that, and you want to help the helpless. You want to be a voice for the voiceless. You want to do all these things, and that's why that's why you ex- know that we talk about this calling to pastoral ministry. And and as I say, people turn up to train for pastoral ministry, and they just desperately want to see the kingdom of God work. But as you talk about compassion fatigue. And especially so, I think, during the COVID period, um, you're giving, 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 but w- at what point do you put fuel in the fuel tank? And sure, we can say, well, spend some time with God and refuel. And that's 
partly true, but it's also about investing in the lives of each other. Community is really important to mitigating factors of burnout. Uh, Torben Berglund, who's a psychiatrist, who's an Adventist psychiatrist who specialises in pastoral burnout, who we had speak to all of our pastors at our big pastors meeting at the start of the year. He did talk about, you know, these are the factors. Workload, that's one factor. More important is when your workload doesn't match your skill set. That's where, where it gets challenging. As Torben pointed out, the amount of work isn't the biggest factor. It's is that work meaningful? But then he talked about the value of community and what community does to mitigate some of those factors of burnout or you know, mental health. And, and you know, in during COVID, that became difficult and pastors pour a lot of energy in. But at what point, as a community, do we all look after each other, including our pastor? Mm. Yeah, it's interesting. I've often seen or I feel like I've witnessed in churches the leadership team will look at the church members and they'll pinpoint certain gifts that individuals have. And often they'll be like, this person's really good at hospitality and this person's really good at greeting or whatever. And they'll be given one main gift. Whereas a pastor, like you said, they're just expected to kind of fulfill the giftings of like the whole church. Like they're expected to be extroverts. They're expected to be hospitable. They're expected to then pass it. They're expected to counsel. It's like, they literally just tick all the boxes, which is a lot for our pastors. I guess speaking on that, what are some things that pastors can be doing to deal with these expectations that they have? Yeah, well, to wind that back a little bit, it is a challenge. And when all our ministerial secretaries get together and talk about what challenges we're trying to address, this being one of them, which is why we had a psychiatrist speak to all our pastors, why we do workshops on pastoral burnout, um, why we are putting an emphasis on trying to shift some of our focus away from what you do to who you are. And even in our pastoral reports, our pastoral reports used to simply be, you know, here's your visits, here's your Bible studies, here's your preaching, you know, get the job done, where now the report is more about who you are as a person and are your roots growing deeply into Christ? Are you making space to look after your key relationships, whether that be family, whether that be key connectedness? So we're asking some of those questions, which is not really our business, but it, it's important that the pastor realizes that these parts are an important part of being a pastor. So that's the very start of our reports now. You're talking about how am I going as a person? And reality is if we're to take a biblical model of how we use our fruits, it's the overflow of the time we've spent with Christ. So we say, hey, pastor, big emphasis, your roots grow into Christ. Out of that come these competencies. And you know, in the AUC, we try to develop in seven core areas, which is you know, your theological astuteness, which is your modeling, which is your teaching, preaching, your communication, which is your organizing. And we measure pastors on that. And even I sometimes will jump to how's that pastor doing in the competencies ahead of how's that pastor doing as a person, as a child of God. So we're trying to rework some of that um, in our code of conduct. And we've recently, you know, over the last year, gone around to all our ministers' meetings chatting through the Code of Conduct. We've tried to rework our Code of Conduct so it's not just don't do this, but rather do make time to, to look after who you are and your physical health. That's part of being an effective pastor. Do make time to honour your calling to be a dad if that's what you are or a mum if that's what you are. Do make time to invest into marriage. Do make time to... So we've tried in a Code of Conduct, which is a tricky thing to do in a Code, but we've tried to put in there... Um, this is what it is to to live life well, and it's mm. not just don't do this, 
we want the pastor to be able to feel like that when they're investing into family, when they're investing into their health, when they're investing into growing their relationship with God or significant people, they're actually doing what we need them to do to be a healthy pastor. Um, because, yeah, if a pastor's modeling life in the kingdom, then that's life at its best. And sadly, sometimes that doesn't end up being, and we end up with pastors who take on excessively, um, you know, whether it be problems of the congregation, whether it be the demand for this church to be thriving, take that on. And I think if you talk to most pastors, they'll reflect on times when they've been so busy in the production mode, abounding, that they haven't done the abiding stuff, which all of us can be prone to do. All of us can be prone to build the abounding of ministry, and that's pastor or anyone who's called to be a follower of Christ. What's it look like to the abiding part? So as an association, we're trying to put more effort onto what's it look like to abide in Christ and what's it look like for ministry to flow from that place rather than immediately jumping to your performance. Um, the other thing is our pastoral care helpline. Nice. Um, so huh. that's a 24-hour service whereby a pastor or their family, spouse, children, has a number that they can call 24 hours and they can choose what sort of level of help or support or conversation they would like. And it's provided by Converge, who provide a Christian counselling service. So it's not about to be something that you know, becomes well-known in the system. It just gives pastors a spot where they can have conversations with someone else who understands ministry and talk about what issues and, and challenges they have. That's been a really useful thing to, for us to implement and wonderful to see pastors utilising that service and having some of the conversations that otherwise get shut down or pent up or they feel like there's not a safe enough place to have that sort of conversation amongst people who know them. This gives them some of the help they need. So that's a, a really useful thing that has been put in place over the, the last year. So we're, we're trying to work on what's it look like to have our pastors having putting in place the right kind of practices that hopefully mitigate, but also being aware of that this is a challenge that we have and when you're having these challenges, what happens there? We've also been trialling supervision for pastors. What's it look like for pastors to have regular supervision? We've been trying a few different models just to work out where do pastors, where are they able to have those conversations that help them reflect on who and how they're going about their pastoral role and is that healthy or are there, their practices that are possibly undermining their well-being? And I think that's important. I don't know if you've got any other things that you can share in terms of examples of that because I guess just thinking about it as a, a layperson, it does seem that, and perhaps this is from the past, but there seems to be an impression that pastors are put out into the field and to some extent, after their internship, they're in the deep end, like sink or swim, do it yourself. Um, the pastoral care line and the supervision for pastors' ideas, are, to me, it seems really important and helpful because many other industries, you wouldn't see sort of very little contact or reporting back for someone and, and a lack of support for those people. So, it's exciting to hear that there's some things coming in that can provide support. What does that look like for supporting a pastor once they're out in the field? It's great that there's the care line and, and some of these things, but practically like on a day-to-day -day basis, is this weekly check-ins with a mentor? Like what are some things that the church is starting to do that, that 
that is actually recognising that need and filling that need for pastors in the field. Yeah, and first of all, Jared and Zanita, I don't want to pretend we get it right all the time because there's lots of cases where we don't get it right. And, mm. and I think Jared, you make an important point that even some of our interns, they're a long way from anyone else. Um, when I say anyone else, they've got church mm. connections and community, but they're a long way from their conference office. They're a long way, sometimes a long way from other pastors. We have interns out in the middle of Australia who are a long way from their next pastor. And so it's not always ideal. There's challenging situations. Your sink and swim analogy, while in internship, they have a mentor who's contacting them, ideally at least fortnightly, and working through that, they complete internship. Now, while every conference has a pastor to pastors, some of our conferences are very large. And, and so they're not going to get uh, as much contact as might be ideal. And so they're working in some incredibly complex situations and incredibly complex roles. And we will do what we can to, to be working through situations and debriefing. And, but many times, or most times, that's not the case. The pastor, the pastor does a lot of stuff alone. And while we'd like to have our pastors in cluster groups and while we encourage them to have their accountability partners and while we have our seasonal reports that are checking on how they're going, the, the pastor does spend a lot of time just working through stuff and often stuff that they can't talk about to other people. And, mm-hmm. and so, so it, it, is, it is challenging in, in that regard. So while we've made some good improvements, but when we have all our ministerial um, team together again, we're still talking about how do we do this better? What's it look like to more ably support our, our pastors? And mind you, that's where all of us come, come into being part of this because at the same time, the pastor is simply part of a church community. And so as a church community, I will often say to congregations, if I get a chance to talk to them, especially if they have an intern, they look after this pastor, look after them. Are they perfect? No, but are they someone who's sold out on wanting to give the best years of their life to the cause of Christ? Yes. So what can we do to encourage them? What can we do to support them? What can we do to, to help them along? What can we do to as a congregation, support our pastor and pastors who are supported by congregations. When, when a pastor knows the congregation's praying, and Ed Stester writes this in a book where he says congregations thrive when they pray for their pastor. It's a simple thing. And as I say, oh, I don't want to mask over the, the real challenges, but as a congregation, if we're praying for our pastors, if you can get that moment to say thank you to a pastor, if you're a church member listening to this, if I can plead with you, just be nice to the pastor. Um, they will do things that tick you off because they're human as well. But uh, being nice, you don't know, and you talk to pastors, and sometimes just a little thank you can go a long way. Or someone who just shares a little thought, shares a card, does something nice. We know how it feels when something, someone does something nice for us. So, yeah, if you you can do a lot to help the load of a pastor just by some of those little nice things along the way. When that happens to pastors, um, it's incredibly helpful. Hmm. Awesome. I love that. I think it's so true. I mean, you spoke about the importance of pastors belonging to a community, but like you said, oftentimes pastors can't talk about a lot of the stuff they're dealing with because confidentiality and because they're dealing with like big stuff. And so that can be a really tricky line to kind of balance, I guess, because there's this vulnerability that's expected, except they can't always give it um, because of that. This year at the Empower Conference, which is a a conference for ministers around Australia, there was a bit of an emphasis on mental health. What stood out to you? Yeah, what was driving that? At Empower, we always try to address the issues that our pastors are working through. And particularly like, coming out of a couple of years of COVID, 
you know, mental health was a challenge widely. And so that's why, um, no, we did it, had bring Torben over. Um, and it, as I say, he's a psychiatrist who's done a lot of research on, on mental health and burnout. But throughout our presentations, in our worship, we had, you know, some of the, the presentations focused on some of those practices that allow pastors to to thrive. And so you're right, Zanita, you did pick up on one of the big emphasis we had was pastors' mental health. We talked a lot about exercise. We talked a lot about what's it look like to grow in your relationship with Christ. We looked. We talked about what's it do to on a family. And then we talked about you no know, various addictions that that can be challenging as well. And so the emphasis was there intentionally because we realised that this is one of the factors that we lose pastors for various reasons. But one of one of the factors is it the pastor gets to a point that they're not feeling fulfilled in that role, or it's just getting to a spot where they can't see them thriving as humans and being pastors at the same time, which is unfortunate. And and so we do try and address those issues. We do try and talk about them. Could we do it better? Yes, we certainly could do it better. And, you know, we've got meetings coming up soon where I'm talking to some other industry leaders who are dealing with similar challenges and saying, how do you do that? What can we learn from you? And so we're still trying to learn how do we do it better? Because sadly, we're still we still lose our pastors. And I know, as I say, I know it's a, a wider problem, but for my role, I'm very proud of our proud. So I guess it's the right way. I'm very proud of our pastors. I think our pastors are wonderful people doing a wonderful job. And so my job is how can I help them thrive in their job? And we don't want to lose any pastor, but especially to factors that sometimes I think it's really sad when we do lose a pastor. I think we could have done something to help mitigate that. And, and I, I feel particularly sad when we lose pastors that if only we'd done this or that, we might have been able to help them through that. Hmm. Just to switch, as we sort of are running out of time, but just to switch to your passion, your interest in the consumerism space, Sabbath is in some senses an antidote to some of the burnout, some of the busyness and stress that we experience in our lives. Yet for pastors, they don't always get to enjoy that Sabbath gift because the Sabbath is the busiest day of the week for them. They've got church responsibilities. They're running a service. They might be preaching one or multiple messages across the Sabbath hours. So how can we do, I guess, better in terms of that for pastors? Are there any things you've found as a pastor that help you to find that rest and that Sabbath without, yeah, yeah doing something <laughs> different or what, what? you asked that jared um because you're right in my phd i do a whole big section on how the sabbath addresses consumerism and i've talked about that a number of times and it is a challenge for pastors you know i've sat with pastors and and some well-known pastors in the usa who run the highly significant churches and i've sat with them they know i'm adventist a number of them keep a saturday sabbath but they run their churches on Sunday and they say to me, how can you possibly keep Sabbath and run your worship services mm-hmm. on the same day? We just couldn't do that um, because there's just there's just the demands of making it all work. And it, it is a challenge for pastors. Um, to How do they get that Sabbath blessing? Because it's not as simple as saying, well, let's give them Sunday off because you and I both know that, why don't I mow my lawn on Sabbath? Because it's Sabbath. I don't need to mow my lawn. But on Sunday, I can't sort of – it changes the game. Um, 
And and so we talk to pastors, what's it look like to try and not be at everything? Because sometimes pastors, you know, we have the expectation they're going to be with the young people on Friday night or they're going to do this and they're going to be that, that and that. And then by Saturday afternoon, they're running this program. What's it look like to try and at least build some Sabbath moments into Sabbath, especially our pastoral families? Well, I shouldn't say especially our pastoral families, it's all pastors. But what's it look like? I guess the biggest challenge for me came that once I had children, I needed to rethink what am I doing to make Sabbath special for them? Otherwise, they're going to grow up in a home where Sabbath is just crazy day. So it's not an easy answer. I don't pretend to have all the answers. Some pastors seem to have been able to put some boundaries in place that make that work better. Once again, if you're a church member listening to this, and if your pastor doesn't turn up at the event that you want him to turn up at, cut them a bit of slack sometimes, because otherwise you can you can fill Sabbath up with with everything. And each of those little things are great. And each of those little things are good fun. But when it's all the time, it can mean that sometimes pastors will miss out on on Sabbath. And it also comes back to some pastors love to beat everything because that's where they're energized. Um, for other pastors, do we have introvert pastors? Sure we do. And and for them, and some of our excellent pastors, they just want time where they actually just take a break and and re-energize. And so, yeah, different situations. I guess there's not one way it works, Jared. Um, but it's, that was a significant challenge for me, trying to work out what Sabbath looked like. And in my current role, that's an easier thing to do because I'm not directly responsible for a congregation on Sabbath. So it, it does make it easier. But it's it's a huge challenge. What does it look like to get a Sabbath for our pastor? And maybe that's something church members can also, church boards can also work with their pastors on what are the expectations on Sabbath and what's it look like for us to make the space for you to get some Sabbath moments or sometimes when you get a genuine Sabbath? No, that's great. As we finish up, is there something you'd like to leave us with? How can we help, whether we're members or pastors ourselves listening to this, how can we help, in a nutshell, pastors with their mental health? Give us something to go away with this week that we can take and practically implement maybe in our church or in our family or in our congregation. Mine's just simple. Just be nice. Just be nice. We live in a world that's really quick to criticize. We live in a world that's really quick to compare. We live in a world that's quick to to pull people down and and quick to to you know social media, I think, has given us a lot more tools for good and for bad. And part of the bad part is we want to criticize real quick. If I can ask you to take a step back and before you criticize anyone, and while we're talking about pastors here. I think constant criticism really hurts and people can think they are being smart or smug um, or the cynicism. Um, so, so yeah, if I, if I can ask for one thing, just be nice to everybody. I know that sounds like a general peace and love kind of message, but just be nice and especially think, how can I be nice to, to our pastor? Pray for your pastor. Try and understand. Be quick to encourage, slow to criticise, and I think together we can be a more loving and lovable community. And you know what? Pastoring a loving and lovable community is fun. Our pastors sign up for what they do because they believe it matters. And and pastors want to get it right. Pastors don't really want to be burnt out and they don't want to be cynical. Pastors sign up because they want to get it right. And and I think together we can do that. I think together we can we can be congregations that show our culture a better way of being human. That includes how we treat each other, how we treat our pastors, and the dignity we need to give to everybody. 
Awesome. Well, thank you so much for everything you've shared with us today, Brendan. It's, yeah, you've given us some awesome information and just, I guess, a better understanding of the importance of us supporting our pastors, being nice to our pastors, and just realizing the load that they've got on them. So thank you for everything you've shared. It was great to talk to you. And Well, and thank you for the opportunity to talk about it because, as I say, it matters, and I appreciate the opportunity to talk about some things that matter to me. Thank you. Awesome. Cool. We will see you next week for another episode of Record Live. Bye. This is an Adventist Media Podcast.